with the team that we had last year. I mean, there's no reason not to think that we can get to the Super Bowl. CCR 73, August 19th, 2009. This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by FantasyCPR.com. The fantasy football season is here. Prepare to dominate your league at FantasyCPR.com. Welcome to Cat Crave Radio. There it is! There it is! A show by the fans and for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. You don't think I want the best? You better check your weapons! Coming up in this episode... We wrap up training camp with our coverage from Spartanburg. Jason Cole joins us, and we'll have a recap of the team's first preseason game versus the Giants. Hand off Bradshaw, hold to the right, Bradshaw to the 10, Bradshaw to the 5, runs over Manning Johnson for the touchdown. Spiegels to punt the ball, oh, it's blocked, blocked, punt, ball loose, rolling at the 5-yard line. Spiegels tries to kick it out of the end zone. And he does. James Anderson. Anderson smothering the punt. That will be a safety. Far back, blitz on, screen right for where. He's got room and blockers. To the 20, to the 15, to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, anywhere. Goodson doesn't like the middle, goes to the left. Goodson is into the end zone. Touchdown. Wow. Cantwell goes over the middle. Cherry catches the ball, breaks the tackle. 10, 5, and a touchdown. Coach Fox is yelling for two right now. Cantwell takes, has time, has a receiver open over the middle, it's Davey for a score. Cantwell drops straight back in the box, steps up, has the ball knocked out of his hands from behind, intercepted by Tommy Hill, touchdown Giants, and the game is over. The final score, Giants 24, Carolina Panthers 17. Now, buckle your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Unfortunately, that's how it went in the Meadowlands Monday night versus the Giants. A loss. But this is the preseason, and these games don't count. Coach Fox says this is about learning. Well, it's kind of typical of your first game. We haven't played football in seven months, and, you know, it's the first time out there. There's some, you know, uh, learning experiences, and... You know, I think once you get it on tape, once guys get a chance to feel it, you know, for the first time in a while, you know, they, they get better as, uh, as we progress. So, um, you know, I thought there were some good things and bad, like most games, and, and uh, you know, we'll uh, hopefully learn from the bad and, you know, continue with the good. Despite the loss, there were a couple of standout performances. Linebacker James Anderson was solid with two tackles and a sack. He says that he was just making the most of his chance to play. Um, my night was a big night. I got a chance to go with the ones with opportunities. Um, my goal was just to go in the game and, and make plays and, and take advantage of the opportunity. I felt like I was best to be in a position to do so. Um, it's a stepping stone. It's a learning stage. We're in training camp, so we just got to evaluate the film and kind of get better and see where we are. One other player given an opportunity because of injuries was wide receiver Kenny Moore, the second-year product out of Wake Forest. He said the realization of the importance of the game hit him on Monday evening. You know, it was exciting to actually put the uniform on at first. You know, that was uh, the, the biggest treat for me to actually, you know, put on the Moore jersey, the 81. Um, you know, that's exciting. I know in the hotel, uh, I was watching, and it was like all on ESPN, like Monday Night Football. I was like, man, this is a big game tonight. So, uh, you know, I, I finally like realized it, you know, but... It was great to get out there and Giants Stadium and um, you know, just, just play. That's just one game in the books for now. Up next are the Dolphins and a trip to Miami on Saturday. One Panthers player says he's been looking forward to it. 
Josh McCown. This is a huge revenge game for me. <laughs> it's just big time. I've had this marked on my calendar since the preseason schedule came out. No, I'm, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm cool with it. it. It'll be good to go back there. A lot of good guys there. Got to know through that off season there, and um, you know, I'm, I've just, I, I said it, I said it a lot, you know, and let them know. I, we was there, you know, I got brought in with the first kind of group of free agents there, and so we were there trying to establish a mindset for that team, and, uh, you know, I really felt like I was a part of that, you know, helped be a part of that, and uh, and so when they had success, I, you know, I, I appreciated and, and felt good about that because it was something that, you know, we laid the groundwork in in uh, March, so, um, so I mean, there's a lot of guys that we really worked hard and, and, and you know, grew, grew together. Uh, so it's a good group, and I'm looking forward to go back and see those guys. Though it was Chad Pennington who came in and took the job, McCown says he doesn't hold a grudge. He understood it. I mean, he, Chad's such a uh, top-class guy. He was, man, you know, he felt bad. I mean, but it's just this business, you know. It was no hard feelings. I helped him learn all the offense that I could while I was there, you know, and, um, you know, tried to try to help him get, get up to speed because, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. It's, you know, they're going to make decisions and, and uh, do what's best for the team. And um, like I said, they had a history with Chad, and they knew what he was capable of and had a comfort level with him. And so, um, you know, that's the direction they were going in. So, you know, rather than walk around pissed off for three weeks, I would, you know, try to help him as much as I could. And, and he, was, he was great with it. I mean, he was, you know, he, because he, you know, like you say, he had perspective, he understood and, um, you know, we we still have, you know, I, I, we don't talk very much, but we have a good relationship. I, I really like Chad a lot. Because it's the second week of the exhibition schedule, playing time for the starters will pick up, which is one reason that Jake says he's looking forward to this one. It gets, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you get to play a little more. We'll see a 3-4 team. Um, you know, we have a game plan a whole bunch uh, uh, for these guys, so just go and re uh, react. Uh, really felt good about a lot of the things last week because uh, we saw a ton of different looks, and that was good. We had to react, and I thought for the most part we, uh, we kind of did what we were coached to do, so that's a good thing. This being the second preseason game, there are improvements that must be made. The team is still working on Ron Meek's defense. I caught up to Charles Godfrey and had a chance to ask him this question. Two seasons in the league two defensive coordinators. Uh, you had to come in as a rookie, learn the NFL scheme, this new scheme under John Fox, Mike Turgovac, and again now Ron Meeks this season. A big adjustment for you? I mean, are you still sort of on the learning curve? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm where everybody else is. You know, everybody's learning right now as a defense. You know, uh, you know, new tempo, new pace, uh, also uh, new assignments um, that we have. But um, everything, everything is coming along. You know, we're, we're getting there. So um, I wouldn't say it's too difficult, but uh, it's not a task that couldn't be be done. You got about three weeks, give or take, before the season actually is here. Crunch time is here, and the Eagles. Um, how do you feel about how you guys? I mean, do you, you feel good about how you're progressing as a defense and picking up the scheme? Um, yeah, I feel good. I feel good. I mean, we will be ready when the winning time come. Uh, we have a lot of work to do, as we've seen, um, you know, from the game. But um, you know, that goes with uh, being a being an NFL player and being hard workers. I mean, you go out, you see what you put out there, and then now you have to come back and uh, correct it and bounce back. So we will keep on progressing, and we will be ready. Other questions that'll have to be answered involve the offensive line. We asked Kedrick Vincent about the young backups. Uh, it's good to see the young guys out there. Um, you know, they they still have a long ways to go, but. Uh, 
you know, they're getting better and better every day, and uh, they did some good things out there in the game. As Jordan Gross told us, there's only so much you can control in a preseason game. When you're only playing a quarter or a half or whatever the case may be, it's kind of out of your hands after that. So uh, I think you just want to do well with the unit you're in there with, and you want everybody to do well, but you can really only control the part that you're having something to do with. It's unfortunate, but the team will be without their run stuffer all season. Kimo was on the IR, so we asked Damian Lewis this question. How are you feeling about your line mate with Maaki out and, you know, the guys that are having to step in now? I think they're doing a good job. You know, uh, got some young guys that's really coming on and uh, starting to grow up a little bit. And, you know, this week is going to be another big test for them because we're playing a good offensive line. And, you know, it's going to be a process. They have to, you know, they're going to grow up on the field, you know. They didn't build Rome overnight, so we're just looking for them to continue to show progress as they're practicing, and you know, and they're doing a good job at it. Coach Baker's on you guys real hard all the time. I mean, do you feel like you guys are catching on? Are you are you picking up the new scheme? Yeah, I think he just expects a lot out of us, and he's pushing us, and you know, and that's always fun when you have a coach. He does it in a positive way, and you know, he's right when he comes at you. He's not just yelling at you for the sake of yelling, and you know, that's always a good deal. You know, he cares about how we're performing and how we're looking on the field, so you know, you got to respect that as a player. As for those comments made by John Gruden on Monday night about D'Angelo Williams being the best running back in the NFL, Gross had these thoughts. Well, he was coaching the Bucks last year when we had a great game against him on Monday night, so he might be a little partial. But, um, no offense to you guys, but I always, always take what somebody says or writes is the truth because you know, I don't want to believe it when it's bad either. I think D'Angelo has improved immensely every year. He looks great now. Um, he didn't really do a whole lot in the game Monday night, but um, I, I love blocking for that guy, and I tell him every time that we don't really have to do that much to look really good with him back there. So if he can stay healthy and keep his attitude the way it needs to be, I think he could be as good as anybody. Jake was also asked what he thought about Gruden's comments on the Panthers' star running back. I think Dan's was a heck of a running back. I thought a couple of the runs he made last night showed his mature. A uh, couple of nights ago, showed the, the maturity as a running back. We had one where he was going to bounce it outside the safety field, and he just put his head down and went forward and got five yards. And where you get a lot of young guys, especially um, they'll try to bounce everything and bounce everything. Well, he saw he couldn't bounce it outside, so he stuck his foot in the ground and went north and got five yards. So I think he's a heck of a running back. I've always felt that way. Um, you know, uh, he just he didn't really get a chance to show his true ability till last year, um, and hopefully, I anticipate another big year out of it. We all know what D'Angelo was capable of after his incredible 2008 season, but there are always other players on the roster who are looking to make a name for themselves. One guy who was almost always around the ball on Monday night was Jeremy Lehman. The linebacker was released last season by Minnesota. He was asked what he learned from that experience. Uh, well, I don't think it's just Vikings camp. I think, you know, the whole last year and I got released and was out of football for a year, I learned a lot. It was a big test of faith. And one thing I learned is that you have to bring it every day from day one. Um, hustling hitting uh, mentally, knowing what you're doing. So uh, from the day I've got here, I've just tried to do that. And um, I'm just happy that I was able to get a chance to get some reps on Monday night. Lehman is a high-energy guy who never seems to let up, even in practice. He was asked about that this week. Can you talk about that intensity? Because, I mean, I know a couple times in practice, Fox has, you know, pulled you aside or said, hey, Jeremy, no, don't tackle or, you know, yeah. during certain drills. Well, you know, he, he's right. we got to protect our teammates. Um, I, I tend to err on the on the side of going too far, not on the side of caution. So, uh, 
you know, you always hear about erring on the side of caution. I probably err on the side of going too far, so it's probably my fault. But, I mean, it's also good to, to bring that, isn't it? To well, it is. I mean, defense is a mentality, and um, personally, it, it's hard for me sometimes to go out there and just wrap up people and then they ask you to turn it on and bring people to the ground during game day. So it, it's tricky for a defensive play when you get to this level because you don't want to hurt guys. At the same time, you want to you work your techniques. And while there are young guys who have to step it up and new systems to install, the coaching staff, the fans, all of us, just have to hope that there are no injuries in these games or practices for that matter. Earlier this week, rookie running back Mike Goodson was carted off the practice field, but luckily it was just a leg bruise. Then during the Wednesday evening practice session, Nick Hayden went down. The defensive tackle also received good news. It wasn't serious, but the knee sprain he suffered will probably put him on the shelf for just a bit. The team is Miami bound for week two of the preseason, and at least they know that training camp is now officially behind them. Later on in the show, we're going to hear thoughts from some of the players on the end of the summer grind. But first, in just a moment, we'll be talking to Jason Cole of Yahoo Sports. Stay with us. There's more Carolina Panthers news on the way on Cat Crave Radio. Hey, Jack, you got a sec? Jack, your hair's on fire. Yeah, I know. I, I just need to finish the sales report and then I'll lie down for a bit. But shouldn't I? No, I'll be fine. You wouldn't ignore this, so why ignore the signs of a stroke? If you or someone you know suddenly has trouble speaking, seeing, or walking, call 911 right away because time lost is brain lost. To find out more, visit www.strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE. This message brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. There are those born to be champions. And then there are these guys. Welcome back to Cackrave Radio. Joining us now is Yahoo columnist, I should say, award-winning columnist, Jason Cole. Jason, thanks for joining us. No problem. I want to start you off by talking about the Falcons. Uh, Jason, a lot of people are talking about the Falcons, and, and they're getting the buzz, it seems, uh, early on here. they've been ta- People have been talking about them all summer. There's been a holdout, however, uh, Roddy White, they finally got him signed, there have been injuries, and there are a few questions with their defense. So why, with all of those questions surrounding the Falcons, how are they sort of the media's choice as as the NFC South champs this season? Well, I don't know if they're the choice as the champs yet, and I'm not sure I would do that. I just think that they're kind of the interesting team because they've got the new quarterback that you know came on strong and got people excited. You had Tony Gonzalez. Um, that's a significant upgrade. Uh, the receiving core with White leading the way and Michael Jenkins there is pretty good. I mean, losing Harry Douglas isn't going to help them. Uh, but they got a great runner in Michael Turner. So, you know, offense gets people interested. You know, their defense, they got some holes. But I would say that they're a contender. Uh, obviously, I think Carolina was a better team last year. And, you know, I think New Orleans is going to make some strides, too. I mean, this is the top three in this division are very balanced. And so, uh, I think it's very interesting. I, I'm not sure I would pick Atlanta as the clear favorite, but I think they they got a nice team, certainly. Well, speaking of rivals, one of our original rivals out in San Francisco, and, and this this story, it just seems to be really, well, unusual. There's always a holdout with a first-round draft pick. It happens every single season. We know it's going to happen with somebody, even if it's not a really long holdout, but is this Michael Crabtree situation? I mean, it, do you think he actually sits out this season, or do you think he's just sort of playing hardball with the team? Well, I think he's playing hardball. I think it's economically just, it's a disaster to 
to sit out a season. I mean, if he's listening to Eugene Parker, and I don't think he is, but if he's listening to Eugene Parker, you know, he's going to get in and get done. Because Eugene knows the math. If you, if you miss a season, I mean, number one, your chances of getting drafted higher next year are not very good. Um, even if you think you're a great player, because all those guys have played and got people excited. Number two, you can't work out while you're the property of some of another NFL team. So, I mean, uh, it, it's again, it's an economic disaster. And third, the most important thing is you're delaying free agency and where you can really cash in by another year. So, to me, I've already done the equation. If he doesn't get drafted number seven overall next season. Yeah, this is a this is he he doesn't even break even on this deal. So to me, it's it's an absolutely atrociously stupid idea, and I don't think he's going to do it. But I I don't I, to me the thing is I don't think he's listening to his agent because Eugene Parker is a smart man and he knows what the numbers are and he can tell uh, Michael Crabtree that this is not a smart move. So I, I got to think that um, Crabtree's listening to somebody else, and eventually that person will be down will be drowned out. Now, while we're talking about numbers or or the economics of the game, maybe the the biggest contract doled out recently is Eli Manning. I mean, the guy just got this enormous deal. And looking at these numbers, and he now, by the game, will be paid as well as just about anybody in the league. I got to ask, and this is the question it brought to mind, who do you think is the most overpaid player in the game? Wow. Um, to be honest with you, I, I don't think anybody's terribly overpaid in this game. Um, and I really try hard not to look at it that way because, you know, you play football for a living, you, pre, you pretty much earn your dollars. Now, is he, you know, for, for, you know, is Eli Manning overpaid if you look at it purely from a statistical standpoint? Yeah, maybe. You know, his quarterback rating and all those other things. But, you know, he's got a Super Bowl already. That's number one. And number two, uh, I think that it's it's pretty clear that you know he, he's a franchise quarterback. He may not be the franchise quarterback, but he's a free franchise quarterback. And when you have one of those, they cost a lot. So uh, you know, I, I, I hear that overpaid label, but I, I just I, I try not to buy into it because I just don't I don't see that the the players in this sport, at least, you know, if you, you want to talk about. Now, baseball and certainly basketball, there, there are a lot of overpaid guys. But in this sport, uh, I, I don't quite see that. Now, speaking of the quarterbacks, if we're going to stick with quarterbacks here, Michael Vick being reinstated, uh, just was signed by the Eagles. Um, I know we talk about second chances a lot, and, and that has been, that's sort of been everyone's mantra since, since Vick was either A, reinstated, uh, and that, of course, being a conditional reinstatement and then being signed by the Eagles uh, last week. Still, the average fan out there is thinking, how does this happen in the real world? Because odds are it doesn't. So how does the league justify to the fans that feel that way what they've just done by allowing him back in the game? Well, I mean, in the real world, I mean, yeah, I mean, Michael Vick doesn't have much value in the real world. You know, if you if you take away football, I mean, it's just a just a guy, and you know, probably I don't even know if he has a college degree or anything like that. But I mean, look, he he has special talents, and he can throw it and run it like nobody else. And in this game, that that's worth a lot of money. Uh, you know, if you go to television, we've got an awful lot of people who are in television 
who get paid a whole lot more and do a whole you know do some terrible things as well. But I mean, I, I mean, I, I can see where average fans are troubled by this, and I, I know where a lot of people come from a protest standpoint, and they're entitled to their opinion. But I, my, my viewpoint is, you know, he did his time. He's allowed to come back. I agree with the suspension because he did lie to his employers. He lied to the owner of the Falcons, Arthur Blank. He lied to Roger Goodell. He lied to the American public right up until the time that the federal government said, I got you, and they had him cold. Um, So he deserves additional punishment from this league because it's a privilege to play in this league. But I'm willing to give him a second chance. It's going to come with very strong stipulations, um, and that is, you know, you step you know, one foot out of line, see ya. Because, you know, the NFL really doesn't need Michael Vick. But I think we we as a society should should hope and, you know, cheer for the man to overcome his, his mistakes. And, you know, we should have concerns about whether he can and, and you know, be and, and be worried about it, but hope that he does it because that would be a strong story and a strong message to lots of people that you can overcome the things you've done. Now, I saw him on 60 Minutes last night, and, you yeah, know, he did an okay job. Um, you know, he did enough, and was he practiced and trained? Yeah, sure, but at a certain point, practicing and training becomes learning. And, you know, maybe he does start to understand and listen to the right people who say, look, Mike, what you did is wrong. And you learn that what the lessons you learned when you were an eight-year-old the first time you went to a dog fight, and the police ignored it. You, know, you learn that that was wrong, and, and those people did you a disservice, and you need to make better choices. So hopefully, you know, hopefully he overcomes all of that. Do I do I trust that it is? Do I worry that he won't? Absolutely. But you sit there and you hope for the best. And while we're talking about guys like Michael Vick, uh, Dante Stallworth even Eli Manning, any story now, it seems that, and maybe we're taking our eye off the ball and maybe we're not because it's still out there a little ways, but Damari Smith, uh, the new head of the, the, the Players Association, is bracing all of the players for a lockout in two years. Mm-hmm. He's saying that it could happen. Now, is he posturing and getting just getting the, the guys ready so that they can sort of wrap their heads around this? Or do you think we're actually headed for labor strife for the first time in a very long time? Depending on, there are some things that are happening um, in in courts that are very difficult to understand. Okay, the Supreme Court, this currently a decision, the NFL versus a company called American Needle, which the the, the impact of that is an antitrust um, issue, which uh, would a lot, which if the NFL wins would give them great power and perhaps power to get around the union. There's another decision, the, the one in the Eighth, of, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, um, which involves the Michael Vick decision, on, on, but, also, but also involves Judge David Doty, who's been the presiding judge for close to 20 years uh, in the NFL and its dispute over the Freeman McNeil case. Okay? If those two things go in the NFL's favor, I think you have a very, very strong likelihood that there's going to be labor strife because the power of the players is going to go significantly backwards, and not just in the NFL, but probably in all sports. But if if that happens, brace for some ugliness. If that doesn't happen, and if the NFL loses in court a little bit, then you can probably settle this issue pretty pretty quickly. Um, But these are are hard-edged legal arguments. And the most important thing that I think DeMora Smith is doing uh, is that 
he's he's informing the players. Look, get ready because this is going to this has the potential to be very very bad, and you have to be ready. You have to save your money because you can't sit there the day before the you know lock a possible lockout or labor strife happens and say why didn't we get a deal done? I need to sign a new contract because my wife just spent a you know, hundred thousand dollars on clothes. I mean, you got to be ready for you got to be ready for some hard reality. So. I think that there is a very strong possibility that we're going to have labor strife, and it's going to be issues that fans don't understand and don't like, but it's going to be stuff that the owners are going to push hard because, you know, it's about money. <laughs> At the end of the day, people have long, ugly arguments about money. Well, if we go back to the NFC South, and we'll close with this, uh, I know earlier we talked about the Falcons, and and this division looks like one of the tougher divisions in the in the game now. Do you think it's possible with the strength that we have in the NFC South? I mean, could it turn out that we have more than one team make the playoffs? Well, you did last year, so um, I would think that that's a distinct possibility. I think that you know the the, the NFC East has produced um, produced two playoff teams each of the last three years uh, in the NFC East, so those teams are pretty strong. You look at the West; I don't see more than one coming out of the West. And out of the north, yeah, that's the, that, that's a big question. Is Green Bay going to get better? Are they going to are they going to turn it? And is Cutler going to be enough in Chicago? I think Minnesota is clearly the strongest team in that division. Um, but Green Bay, you know, only you know, it was only they were in an NFC Championship game two years ago. And granted, they had Brett Favre, but Aaron Rodgers did a terrific job of, uh, of providing a. a uh, a transition from Brett Favre. He was not the reason they didn't make the playoffs last year. The defense was the reason. So, I mean, if we we could have potentially more than one, I mean, in this, oh, I certainly think that I certainly think that of the top three teams in the in the South, you know, New Orleans, Atlanta, and Carolina, I, I absolutely certainly think that two of those teams will make the playoffs. I, I think that that's a very strong bet. The only way it doesn't happen is if you have a bunch of injuries on a, on, on a couple of those teams and they fall back. But on paper, those three teams are right there. Well, Jason, we appreciate you taking time to talk to us this week, uh, talk a little Panthers, a little football. And uh, as always, it was a pleasure to, to have you with us. No problem. Thank you. Questions? Comments? Send them to us at catcraveradio at gmail.com. That's catcraveradio at gmail.com. The Crave returns in a moment. The Fansided.com Sports Network. You play to win the game. Where diehard fans dish out nonstop news and views on their favorite teams. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Fandom has no offseason. So he sucks you guys right in. So consider yourself sucked. Neither do we. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown them. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Fansided.com the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. There is no off-season in the NFL, so why should there be an off-season in covering your Panthers? That's why we're here. Welcome back to CCR. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. With the fantasy football season upon us, it's always a good idea to have all the information you can get. Pay a visit to fantasycpr.com. If you've drafted or not, it's never too late to get the latest player ranking and information. You can find that and more at fantasycpr.com. Training camp 
is over. 21 practices and two and a half weeks of work are complete at Wofford College. It's the shortest training camp in team history, but it was still a grind for the players. We caught up with a few of the guys to get their take on the end of their summer work. We start with Jake DeLome. You ready to get home and sleep in your own bed? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, I, I enjoy camp. I really do. And uh, But you know what? It's uh, it's always nice to, to get back because you know it's getting closer to when the season is going to finally start. But certainly it's uh, we've done a lot of work. I don't know exactly how many practices we've had, but we've had a good bit. So uh, it's uh, now we'll, we'll certainly we'll get back. We've got to go to Miami real quick. But uh, just start to get in a routine, getting guys used to the routine uh, and the season routine. Next up, I had a chance to ask Damian Lewis this question. How you feel about this being your last day? Oh, great. <laughs> I don't care who you are. It's just something about training camp. You know, it's a grind, but you know, you come here, you focus, you get to work in, you uh, practice, and you focus on your job and try to get better, and I think we've done that, really took in what's going on and really uh, getting a feel for the new system that we're doing, and now it's time for me to go home and play with my kids. Did you miss your dorm No. no. <laughs> Trust me, I lost enough sleep here to <laughs> <We> get home. <laughs> James Anderson told us it was great to end it, but that it was necessary. That's, that's a high excitement now. You know, campus is dog days, but it's a very needed necessity. Um, you build teamwork, you build team uh, togetherness. It's a necessity, but with it coming close to an end, it's a great feeling. And finally, this clip from Kedrick Vincent. The big guy had this reaction the day before the end of camp. I mean, everything's going well. Um, you know, we're just working and trying to get better out here. You ready to wrap things up tomorrow? Oh, is it tomorrow? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's camp. I'm ready to go home. So, you know, we still got to keep working out here, though. I want to thank Jason Cole for taking time to talk to us. Of course, you can read all of Jason's columns on Yahoo Sports. And with training camp over and my trip to the lovely garden spot of Spartanburg complete, my thanks to the Carolina Panthers and their entire organization. They allowed one of the little guys to join in, and I consider it an honor just to know that I was there to meet the players, members of the organization, and the media. I had a blast. But it wouldn't have been possible without the assistance of the classiest bunch in the NFL. Hey, don't forget to pay a visit to catcrave.com. Kenny Perkins has taken the reins over there, and he's tearing it up. He's got all the latest news and views on our favorite team, the Carolina Panthers. And don't forget, you can subscribe to our show at iTunes, and you can also leave us some feedback in the reviews while you're there. I'm John White. Thanks again for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep reaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old name. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game.